0: Welcome to the sermon podcast from Compass Church. In this sermon from November 28th, 2021, Luke Hettinger starts off our Advent season with this sermon titled, Christmas for Misfits. For more information, please visit compasscfc.com. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, my name is Luke Hettinger. For those of you who don't, m- don't know me, um, it's a good question, isn't it? When will we once again know rest? I I absolutely love this time of year. Um, <laughs> Yeah, all right. Well, yeah, people are excited, right? It is, this is the first Sunday of Advent. Um, I, I love, I love the, the time of year we just came out of, a, a chance to, to give thanks, a chance to, to, to practice gratitude and eat lots of incredible food. Love that. Um, but there is something about the Christmas season, isn't there? There's something about this time of year that even cold, uh, leafless trees look okay. Right, um, that, that, uh, I, I was asking, I was asking my wife as as you know we were decorating the tree. I said, I don't know. Do you think we need more tinsel? She's like, absolutely not. We do not need more tinsel. I was like, I don't think you can ever have too much tinsel. But anyway, that's that's my thing. Um, but but I love I love this time of year. And as we as we are starting Advent, um, what we're what we're doing is we're looking at this time of Advent through this lens of good news for misfits. And uh, Marshall Fields, he was in, in the church here this past week doing some work, and um, he, he, asked, or he said, he's like, you guys, last week, you guys, you got us all excited wondering what this whole idea of misfits, what, what you're going to be talking about. And as I was talking to my wife, um, I think it was just yesterday, she's like, what do you mean when you say misfits? What, do you, what are you talking about? Um, and how many of you, so to answer that question, how, how many of you have seen the classic Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? yeah okay you guys so you guys know what we're talking about right when we talk about misfits and maybe the trees start to make more sense as you think about okay this is what we're talking about because in in this story of the classic Rudolph right Rudolph if you haven't seen the movie you should go watch the movie Uh, it's Christmas you can do that Uh, go watch the movie if you haven't seen the movie you know the song Rudolph is born with a what? Red nose, right? That's not normal for reindeer, um, and and as Rudolph, I, I, in in the cartoon, you know, Rudolph, he he's trying to walk around, and his nose begins to, to burn bright red, and his dad, I think maybe it was Comet, uh, was like, what's wrong with his nose? You know, and and so they're all trying to figure out what's going on. So then they cover up his nose, but it gets exposed uh, in a in a flying accident, I think, and uh, and and he gets shunned, and they, he gets uh, you know pushed out of of the the north pole and it feels like a misfit right he he doesn't fit in he's an outcast and and while this is all happening with rudolph there's a there's an an elf in the story his, his name is hermie and uh, hermie the elf he doesn't want to make toys what's what's hermie want to do he wants a, a dentist right that's what that's what the 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 main elf says when hermie's like i don't Make toys. I want to be a dentist. A dentist. You're an elf, right? And you don't even have to watch the movie now, right? I'm do, doing such a good job. Um. And and he wants to be a dentist, and so instead of making toys, he's fixing the dolly's teeth and all this stuff. But because he wants to be a dentist, he gets he gets shunned. And and uh, Hermie and Rudolph they sing this little song, and why am I such a misfit? I I don't remember the rest of the words, but that's I remember that part. Some somebody was getting ready to sing it, right? And, and they they say this question in the midst of this song, uh, where they're they're saying. Um, you can't fire me, I quit, why don't I fit in? You know? And it's this question, it's like, oh, you know, why, why can't they fit in? You know, that's, that's kind of the question. And so, so they, they team up and they leave the North Pole and, and then they find this island, after they find uh, Yukon Cornelius and the Bumble and all these different things, they find this island full of misfit toys that feel the exact same. Right, do you remember some of the, the misfit toys? Do you remember? What they were, yeah? Amy? What, what was one of them, you remember? Charlie in the Box. Charlie, yeah, not a Jack in the Box. Who wants to play with a Charlie in the Box? It's like, it's okay. Like, you can be named Charlie, but he felt like a misfit because he's not a Jack in the Box. What were some of the others, you remember? Like a bird that swims. Yeah, yeah, like a bird that swims, a choo choo train with square wheels. Yeah, a gun that shoots jelly. It's like, isn't that the problem of the person that fills the squirt gun? But anyway, you know. So all these toys, they feel like they're misfits, right? There's something about them that made them feel like, well, we don't fit in there. So we got to find some place where we belong. And even if you, like, if you, if you I was looking at pictures of the Island of Misfit Toys. It's a really barren place. Like, like North Pole is pretty like this. And the, the uh, Island of Misfit Toys is just like barren and sad. And yet it's the place where all of these misfits, all these outcasts feel like, well, we don't fit in there. Maybe we can fit here. You see, what, what we want to do this Christmas is we want to show that the Christmas story is a place for misfits to belong. It's, it's actually a place for misfits to find hope. And as I was thinking about misfits and even that, that word misfit, I, I think that oftentimes we can, there's, there's a couple different camps that, that misfits can fit in. And the first, the first camp is, is kind of the, the camp of uh, like if you only knew, let's call it that, if you only knew. You know, and it's the people that, that are, and, I, and I, I love some people in this camp and they're incredible people and they're people that have things that, that they just walk around thinking, if you only knew, if you only knew about my drug addiction, I don't know if I would fit in here. If you only knew about the intense sexual sin that I am just continuously stuck in, I don't know if I'd fit in here. If you only, and it doesn't have to be like major things like that, that, that puts us in this camp. Sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm like, man, if you only knew how I blew up at my kids, I don't know if you would look at me the same way. You know, some, sometimes those in this camp can feel like if, if you only knew the relationship that I have with my spouse, you know, it's, it's this camp that they feel like they're misfits, but it's like, well, I just got to keep up appearances. And then, and then there's another camp. There's another camp that, that they're the, the camp that's like, well, you do know. <laughs> they're the camp that they've kind of adopted this, this misfit label. They've adopted this outcast label. And for them, it has become uh, something that they just fully live in. And, and a lot of people for, in that camp number two, they're not going to be here. They're, they're not going to be in, in, the, in the church. Right? Uh, this, this book that i recently uh, listened to called the gospel comes with the house key the author uh, her name's rosaria butterfield and uh, rosaria was actually a leader in the lgbtq plus community years and years ago and the book is incredible i encourage you i think you should should definitely read it it's it's awesome and she talked about how like her her aversion to the church it wasn't because of the message of Jesus Christ. It wasn't the message of Christianity, it was the actions of Christians. And so, because of the actions of Christians, the message to her was, You do not belong. So, go somewhere else. This is not a safe place for you. That, and, and so, lots of times, people in camp, camp number two, they're not here because they already know, I, I'm, I don't belong there. I don't fit there. That's not, that's not the island for me. And, and people in camp number one, maybe you are here. Maybe, maybe you're here, but your relationship here or your, your security in here is so tenuous. It's so fragile. Um, a, a friend of mine I was talking to about this, uh, it was a couple of years ago, actually. He definitely felt like he was in this camp number one. And, and it, he, said, he described it as walking around with contraband. You know, walking around with this thing that I'm holding, that I'm trying to hide, that, you know, if, if a police officer comes up and says, hey, what do you got there? It's like, oh, I'm done, right? I, I, I'm done. And, and for those of us in that camp, number one, maybe we're here, and yet you feel that, right? You feel like you're walking around with contraband. You feel like, uh, uh, just don't ask me. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Why wouldn't it be fine? It's Christmas, right? I'm smiling. Just don't look at my kids, right? I'm smiling. Just don't look at the way my spouse is looking at me right now. Everything's fine. Just don't ask. And yet the, the, the reality is in both camps, there is hope. There is good news in the Christmas message. And yet the the reality that we see in in the message of Christmas, we're going to read in just a few minutes in Matthew chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Matthew chapter 1. The message of Christmas is that he shall be called what? Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Right? Emmanuel. (laughs) He shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. There we go. God with us, and if, if people are watching from home, you can shout this out too, right? He shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. You see the, the message of Christmas that God has come close to man, that message, that has different connotations depending on if you're in one of these camps. It's, it's the same thing like when, when I was a kid, if my mom told me your dad's on, on his way home, that meant very different things depending on how my day went, Right? Especially depending on how my mom said it. Hey, your dad's almost home. Oh, yeah, great. You know, we're, we're going to go out to eat or whatever. Your dad is almost home. <laughs> you're right. Ooh, that means that has a whole different connotation. You see, if if we feel like maybe we're in one of these camps, the message of Christmas that God is with you, that God has come into the story of humanity, that can mean something very different. If you feel like you're walking around, just at any moment can be exposed, or if you feel like this is not a safe place, that that can that can mean different things. And yet, the the reality, what what we want to do during this Advent season is show that that the message of Christmas is good news for misfits. And the reality is we can all find ourselves in the position of a misfit. We can all feel like we're outcasts. The Bible says we've all sinned. We've all fallen short, right? And so, so this morning, what we're going to be doing, we're starting off with, with hope. And as, as we read this, this passage that we're going to be looking at, Matthew chapter 1, Starting with verse 15, or starting with verse 18, excuse me, what we're going to be doing is we're looking at the story of Joseph, and we're going to, we're just going to look at what does it mean, this, the message of hope, when we think of Advent, the message of hope, how is that good news for those of us who might be in one of these camps, for those of us who are misfits in here this morning? So if you would, if you would stand with me, uh, just in honor of God's word, if you, if you can stand, please stand. And I'm going to read, and what we do around here is, is, I'm going to say, this is the word of the Lord, and you'll say, thanks be to God, and. That's kind of what we do around here, just in case, so you don't get surprised. So Matthew chapter 1, sorry, verse 18, says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Let's, let's pray. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word. And I pray, God, that you would give us ears to hear and a heart to comprehend here this morning. No matter what camp we might, might find ourselves in, God, I pray that you would help us to, to hear you and experience you. It's in your name. Amen. And you can take a seat. Again, as we think about this, as we read this passage, the, kind of the word that, that, we're, that we're working off of is hope this morning. So as we think about this idea of misfits and good news for misfits, and, and even thinking through the lens of hope this morning and with this passage that we just read, I, I think the good news this morning is, is this that while hope in our plans, while hope in our plans is easily subdued, hope in God is secure while hope in our plans is easily subdued hope in God is secure now now what i mean by that even even a different way to say that is god is big enough to hold our hopes Okay. Uh, uh, yes, he is. And see, I think oftentimes when I talk about our hope is easily subdued, our hope and our plans is easily, easily subdued, uh, how often, you know, th- there are times where we have hopes in, in certain things. We have hope in, in our job and getting that promotion or, or having this certain sort of relationship or, or having experienced these traditions or these different things. And yet oftentimes what happens when we don't experience that, when, when what we hope for doesn't become a reality, we so often just say, oh, well, I mean, that was, maybe that was too much to be expected anyway. We just subdue it. We push it aside. It's like when, when I was a kid... Um, my parents and we still do this in our house. My parents they would they would put presents under the tree as they bought them and wrapped them, and so we had like a whole month of shaking presents and and you know we I can still remember we'd get around the tree and we'd bring out all the presents and we'd shake them and we'd wonder and and my dad would inevitably say, well let's just open one tonight, and my mom would say, oh Daryl stop it you know and and then us kids would get all excited and then oh you know our hopes would be dashed and and I remember one year there were these just big boxes under the tree, you know, and as a kid, it's like, Oh, what, what could possibly be in there? And, and as, as the day we'd shake them and we'd have our guesses. And as the days, you know, we'd get closer to Christmas. We just think, and I can't wait to open this big present. And I remember, I think it was my older sister. Uh, she was the first one of us kids to go. And, and she said, can I open the big one first? And my mom was like, sure, you can open the big one first. And that was the first sign. Because you never get to open the best present first, right? Because then where do you go from there? Um, so so when, when my mom was like, sure, you can open the big one first, it's like, oh, wait a second. I don't know if this is what we think it is. And so she got it, and she ripped into it, and she opened the box, and it was Luggage. Luggage, boo! Yeah, somebody, boo! Luggage. I mean, as an adult, it's like luggage. That's a nice gift, but as a kid, it's like you got me luggage. And I, I remember, you know, in, in in our home growing up, you never acted like you didn't like it because then you don't get any more presents, right? If you're like luggage, this is. It's like, oh, oh, luggage. Oh, I'm 11, and that's what I dreamed of is luggage. And I remember my, my younger sister, as she saw my older sister pull out this luggage, she had her big box in front of her ready to go, and she said, I think I'll get another one. And she just pushed it aside, grabbed another present, and yet that's what we do with our hope oftentimes, Right? We, we hope and we pray and we want and we just, we make these plans and we, we live in this future world that has these different things and, and yet when, oftentimes when the reality doesn't match our hope, we just push it aside and we just keep going. And yet the reality this morning, the good news for misfits and the good news for all of us is that God is big enough to hold our hope. Amen? God is big enough to hold our hope. When we look at the story of Joseph, what do we know about Joseph? We know that, that Joseph, he was, he was uh, engaged or betrothed to, to Mary Mary. And, and then it says, but, uh, but when, when they were betrothed to Joseph, when Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, as we read this, Matthew is writing kind of in hindsight. Like he knows why she's pregnant. Right? He, he knows what was going on, and we, as we read this, we're reading from hindsight. We know why she's pregnant, but most of the time when somebody gets pregnant and they say, oh, don't worry, I haven't done anything to get me pregnant, it's like, mm, I don't know about that, right? I, I don't know. Like, when, when Joseph comes onto the scene and he's betrothed, now this betrothal, this isn't just engagement. All right. when, when we think betrothal, we can think engagement and engagement can last forever. And, you know, it's like this kind of like, yeah, we're going to get married. But, but here, betrothal was it, was, it was a legal binding thing. It lasted for, for typically about a year, and the, the husband, who was, who was uh, by law husband, you were husband and wife when you were betrothed, but the husband would go away, and he would prepare a place, usually, typically, in his father's house, uh, this, this place, and he'd build it onto his father's house, and then he would come and receive his bride. Do you hear echoes of, of Jesus' words in there? Right? And, and see, what, what happened is, is Joseph, he's, he's, he's preparing a place, and then all of a sudden, oh, my, the, wait a second. The one that I am betrothed to, my wife, in legal terms, is pregnant? I mean, think, think about all the things in that moment, the hopes that would have been dashed, right? Right? Think about the hopes of Joseph. Now, we have to use our imagination, and I don't think this is, hopefully, this is okay to do. But but I think Joseph, we, we can assume Joseph, you know, he, he had hopes that he was going to marry Mary, and, and they were going to be this incredible family, and they would have a lot of kids, and, and they would grow old and have a lucrative carpeting business, carpentering business, not carpeting, um, the, 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 you know, we, we can just use our imagination and think about all the hopes that Joseph might have had. And yet now he comes into it and all the hopes that he had are now gone. You see, the, even, even the thought that it says that Joseph, uh, it says that Joseph was a righteous man, right? He was, he was a just man, a righteous man. Now, this doesn't mean that he was perfect, but it does mean that he sought to live his life according to the Old Testament law. And so even in that, I mean, can you, can you put yourself in his shoes? Can you, can you put yourself, see lots of times we aren't this, I was talking to my wife about this just a little bit last night. And, and the fact is we we know that the prosperity gospel is not the gospel, right? That God, God's will for us is not to be happy, healthy, and you know, rich. That's, that's not the gospel. And yet oftentimes the way we live, we, the prosperity gospel kind of seeps its way into things. And we have this mindset that can say, wait a second, I did my part, right? I I did all my things. And so shouldn't I get this job promotion, right? I, I did my thing. So shouldn't this person like be faithful to me? I, I did all the things I was supposed to do. So, God, where are you? See, the, the reality is that's, that's not the gospel. That's, that's something different. And yet the reality is as Joseph moves through this, he's in this place where he's saying, okay, I, I'm just going to put her away quietly. All his hopes are dashed. It's, it's like my sister just pushed him, that present aside. Said, "Well, I'm just going to put her away quietly. You see, the reality is as, as Jesus or as Joseph was contemplating these things, what happens? An angel comes to him in his sleep, and, and he begins to fill in the blanks. The angel begins to fill in the blanks for, for Joseph. This is when Joseph realizes, okay, this is the Holy Spirit. This is when Jesus or Joseph realizes that, oh, this is the, uh, Matthew uses the prophecy from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, where he says, um, uh, verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. And again, he's talking about Isaiah, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. You see, as the angel is filling in the blanks, what he's doing is he's, real, is he's revealing to Joseph that this is the Messiah that's coming. This is, this, is, this is the one that had been promised and the one that Joseph, as a good Jewish man, was hoping for. Right, I mean, all the Jews were hoping for the Messiah to come, for the Messiah to come and, and uh, set them free, for the Messiah to come and, and elevate them. If we read in Malachi, you don't have to turn there. I'll read it for you. But Malachi chapter 4, it's the, the very last book in the Old Testament. It's, it's actually just one page in my Bible. It's just one page back. Uh, Malachi chapter 4. Verse uh, verse, well, sorry in verse one. So this is the last book of the Old Testament, the last chapter. And, and what Malachi is describing here is the day of the Lord, the coming of, of the Lord's Messiah, the, the anointed one. Malachi chapter four, sorry, verse one. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Amen. See, this is what this is what the hope of Joseph was in, that, that when Messiah came, he was going to destroy the wicked which in their context would have been the Gentiles, the Romans, all these, all these people who had been suppressing, the Samaritans, all these people that had been suppressing the Jewish people. And the Jewish people were the righteous that were going to be raised up and they were going to be elevated. And, and as, as the angel is revealing to Joseph that, hey, this is, this is the Messiah. This is when, when Malachi is talking about the day that God acts, this is it. I wonder if Joseph, when he's hoping for for Messiah to come, right, I wonder if he could have, and I don't think he could have, I don't think he could have understood that for Messiah to come, for his hope to be realized in Messiah, his hope in, in the future of his family to look a certain way and act a certain way, that hope had to be laid down for this hope to be lifted up, right? I, I, don't, I don't think he could have Comprehended that, and and I think it's the same at times. It, I think it can be the same for us. Right, l- let me ask you what are what are some of your favorite? This is dangerous when I ask the audience. But uh, what are some of your favorite like like when I say epic movies? What are some of your favorite epic movies? Princess, what? Princess Bride. What? Princess Bride. Princess Bride. What? Gone with the Wind. Braveheart. Oh yeah okay let's just stop there all right those movies are good right and if you were getting ready to say one I'm sure that's a good movie let's talk about Braveheart all right mean right, who said that yeah okay Braveheart it's it's funny because when I was doing college ministry more focused college I would talk about Braveheart and people would be like what, what is that I don't even know what movie that is like oh my goodness you're too young right I'm getting too old Braveheart is an incredible movie right William Wallace and not historically accurate but that's okay right we don't we don't watch movies because they're history oh, that's not historically accurate I know it's not it's a good movie though Right? And and I like William Wallace, he becomes this guy that just you know, he rescues his people and, and he, he saves all these people and this awesome thing. I I in my mind, I want to be William Wallace, right? But how did William Wallace get to be William Wallace? What happened to him? Do you guys remember? He was drawn yeah, well that's the end. Thanks for the spoiler alert, right? He dies in the end. You're welcome. His wife was taken and murdered. It's like, man, I want to be William Wallace, but I don't want to experience the things that made William Wallace, William Wallace, right? Any good, especially epic movie, I mean, Princess Bride too. Gone with the Wind, I'm not completely sure. It's been a long time since I've seen that. But any good epic movie, the, the, the hero has to undergo incredible pain and hardship and heartache in order to rise above and be the hero right? And we all want to be the hero, but we don't want to experience the pain that it takes to become the hero. And in the same way, in the same way, oftentimes our Christian walk, we want the things that come with God, but we don't want to be inconvenienced by God. We want to be people of patience, but we don't want to have to do anything that takes patience. Right? We, want to be, we want to be people who are, who are strong in character, but we don't want to have to experience anything that would take strength of character. Right? We want to be all those things, but we don't want to be inconvenienced. And yet Joseph, what we see is as God is, is filling in the blanks, as through, through this angel, he's saying, look, Joseph, your hope is secure in me. I'm big enough to hold your hope because I'm giving you better hope. I'm giving you, I'm giving you more to hope in than just what you thought, just what you, just your, you know, your 2.5 kids and your white picket fence and the boat to the side. I, I have more for you than that. It, it reminds me of, uh, I, I love the story of the rich young ruler. Right? The, the rich young ruler in, in Mark's gospel, you, you probably, I'm sure you remember this, this young guy, it describes him as, as being, I don't, I don't know what he ruled, but uh, he was this young guy who was super wealthy and it says that he runs up to Jesus and he asks him, do you remember what he asked him? Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Right? And Jesus looked at him and he said, well, you know what you need to do. You need to follow the, the rules, Right? Starts with that and, and he starts to talk about the different rules and the rich young rulers like Woo, I'm good, right? I was hoping you'd say that because I'm in. I've 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 followed all and it's like, okay, dude, right? Calm down. It's like I've followed all these rules, even from my youth. I'm I'm great, I'm in. And it says that Jesus looked at him and what? Do you remember what it says right after that? And this is Mark's gospel. Loved him. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Now, now we, we quickly move past that and say, well, there's one thing that you have to do. Go sell all that you have. But we don't, we, we forget about the love. See, I, I think that in that, in, in that love, as, as Jesus looked at him and it says, he looked at him and loved him, I think what we see is that Jesus didn't want to just wreck this guy's life plans. He he didn't want to ruin what he had planned for his life, but what he wanted was he wanted to give him a, a better plan. He wanted to give him something that his hope would not be subdued in or pushed away from, but something that his hope could be secure in. He says, go away, sell all that you have, and then you'll have what? Come follow me and you'll have what? Treasure in heaven. He doesn't want him to just be poor. He wants him to have better lasting treasure. Amen. I, I, um, my daughter, I didn't ask her before this, so I'll have to ask for forgiveness. Uh, but my daughter, she, she got to have a, a, a Make-A-Wish thing. And, and it, was so, it was so cool because when, when you read about kids who, who they get to go through the Make-A-Wish program, um, you know, you read about kids who are like, I want my wish to be uh, where I can be a weatherman for a day. Okay, I mean, <laughs> I guess. That's cool. You know, or, or I've, I've heard about some kids where it's like, I want my wish to be, uh, my whole room is American Girl doll stuff. It's like, okay, you know, that will be cool for a minute, you know. Uh, and th- there's all these different things. And so, so I kept thinking, oh, man, what's, what's my daughter going to pick, you know, because like, you're just kind of waiting. And, and she, she picks, I want to go swim with the dolphins. I was like, oh, that's a good wish. In Hawaii. <laughs> Woo, yeah. Way to go, Elena. You know, it's like, I, you know, not that not these these other wishes were bad, right? Not not that if you're a weatherman in here, I appreciate you, right? That's I'm not saying that being a weatherman is bad, but be like if I got to make a wish, it wouldn't be, you know what I really wish for. I want to be a weatherman. That wouldn't be at the top of my list, right? But but when you think about it, see, and, and the, these kids, what they wished for, it's not like it was bad. But when my daughter said, I want to swim with the dolphins in Hawaii, it's like, <laughs> wow, way to go, right? It's not that these other wishes were bad, but there was something that was so much better. See, this was all they could think about, the, the, you know, and their hopes, it, in my perspective, I'm not... From my perspective, it's like, man, that wish is too small. But when we got to experience going to Hawaii and doing all these things, it's like, oh, man, this is so much better. See, Jesus in this moment, as he looked, as he looked at this rich young ruler, he didn't want to dash his hopes. But he is saying, look, you're hoping something is just too small. Joseph, his hope for, for a future and a lucrative business and a, and a wife that was faithful, it wasn't that those things were bad. But they were too small. When, when it says that Jesus, his name shall be called Jesus, and he will do what? He will save the people from their sins. See, the, the hope that, that God will come, and what we read in Malachi is that, oh, he's going to destroy the wicked and raise up the, the, the righteous, and all, those, those, that was good, and yet that's not necessarily what Jesus came to do. See, Our hope, no no matter where you're at this morning, no matter what camp you're in, the good news for us this morning, the good news for misfits, is that God is big enough to hold our hopes. but, But oftentimes it takes us realizing that the thing we're hoping in is too small. And in the same way that he looked at the rich young ruler with love, I believe that the message of Jesus is that God is with you and he looks on you with love and he says, "Hey, what you desire is it's not that it's bad, but it's too small and I have something more for you. I have something bigger, I have something grander. I have a life that goes far beyond what you can comprehend." So this morning as we think about this, as we think about what what does what does that hope mean for me this morning? I think I want us to just take a moment and ask, okay, where is my hope? This morning, this, you know, to be honest, this past week, this has been a kind of a difficult, um, a, a difficult exercise for me. Because at times when we're confronted with where our hope is, it can, it can feel like God is just trying to rip things away. All these good things, health, job security, relationships, all these things, they're they're good things. And it can feel like when we think about where our hope is, it can feel like God just wants to rip them away and tear them away. And as I thought about, okay, where is my hope? I, I think a good question for us when we're thinking about, okay, where's my hope? It's the, the follow-up question Well, what if it was taken away it would just undo you? What if it was taken away? I would just be undone, wouldn't know what to do. Wouldn't know if I lost my job, oh, man. If I got that call from the doctor, if I found that my spouse had been unfaithful, I don't know, I'd be undone. See, I think as we come to that place, that place of maybe being undone, I think it's that place that, that we're not brought into more shame. That's camp number one. We're not brought into more shame. It's, God isn't looking at us saying, Phew wow, you really, you really stink at this hope thing. I don't believe he's doing that. I believe he looks on us with love and it's an invitation to come experience something deeper and better. Amen? Let me, let me pray for us. God, we thank you. I thank you as we, as we look at your word, as we think about this Christmas season, as we think about what it means to have hope what it means to, to experience the message of Christmas that you are with us. God, I, I pray that you would reveal to us this morning. God, reveal to us in this space. Maybe, maybe there are, are those here, maybe, maybe this is the first time they're realizing that they're in one of those camps, that they, they do feel like an outcast, that they do feel like a misfit. God, maybe, maybe, maybe that's the realization and God, I, I, maybe there's some in here that they've been looking at other people as misfits and outcasts. And yet, God, I praise you. I praise you that there is hope for outcasts in the Christmas message. And God, I pray that, that as we contemplate where our hope lies, this morning, God, I, I ask that you, would, that you would make it clear, God, I pray that you would help us to see that, oh, maybe my hope was in my future plans with my kids. Maybe my hope was in uh, future health. Maybe my hope was in retirement. My hope was in job security. My hope was in all these different things. And I pray, God, that you would help us to, 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 to see where our hope lies. And God, I pray that you would help us to see that you that you don't look on us with condemnation. You look on us with love and the invitation is to experience a hope that is bigger because you are a God who's able to hold our hope. We love you, God. We praise you. It's in your name. Amen. This podcast is part of the ministry of Compass Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, please check out compasscfc.com.